theory, so, you know, our logo will pop up. That'd be like this. All right, good morning. This is your host, co-host, I should say, Professor S. Uh, right here with my man Rich and the young OG, Twizzy. What's up, fellas? Good morning. Peace, peace. I mean, it's an exciting, exciting, exciting day. Uh, today is the first episode of Collective Thought. With us three today, man, and I'm super hyped up that we have the ability uh, to talk as not only as friends and family, uh, but kind of to talk about some of the stuff that's going on in, in, in today's climate. Um, you know, uh, you know, Rich is, you know, a family member to me. He's, you know, the, probably the closest friend that I got. Um, and um, thinking about my friends and understanding uh, the impact we could have on, on today's culture and society, um, that's really the thing. You know, some of the things that, you know, this podcast is about at Collective Thought, um, especially now, I mean, I, I, think, I think there's so many people who, who will share a meme or share a like or comment on a post, but what are you really doing, you know? Um, as a social worker, so some of my background is, you know, I'm a social worker, uh, been in the field for a good at least 10 years now uh oh probably way more than that now thinking about that you know as you get older you don't really understand the age right um so since 2006 actually 2006 i got my associate's degree in chemical dependency counseling uh, a few years later got my uh, bachelor's in sociology and then of course you know the alma mater here you know stony brook uh in the school of social welfare got my master's um and one of the kind of uh things that I want to kind of impose on this podcast, guys, is uh, just understanding the role of a social worker, the many hats we wear, um, and how I can bring terms like that into our podcast for people who may not have those terms and ability to express that and understand the things that are happening to us as minorities and uh, people from a lower socioeconomic background um, and help them kind of navigate through life. Um, so off the top, you know, a part of you guys, you know, are going to be a little blinded to this, but uh, young OG Twizzy, man, what do you think a social worker does? Um, I mean, and this is me being, being very, very honest. Um, at first, my opinion of what a social worker did was like, they were just there for like moral support. It was kind of somebody you talked to. Honestly, I felt like a social worker was more of a guidance counselor than a guidance counselor was, and, in my honest opinion, because my guidance counselor would be like, well, how's your grades? You know, is everything okay in school? And they'd be like, okay, see you later. You get that one meeting. But a social worker, somebody where like you actually talk about things that really happen in real life in real time. Like, yo, I don't have anywhere to live or, you know, um, <clears throat> my dad might not necessarily be the nicest guy. Things like that per personally. So I don't – that's kind of like my my loose definition of, of what – you know, like I don't have like a uh, straight def definitive like answer for you is kind of like like you said they wear many hats so i saw them as somebody that kind of really sure. dealt with the stuff you know, you know you think about you know some of the misconceptions you have is, is the ability we didn't really know what a social worker was we didn't have them accessible you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. the, the the real og rich what, what what does a social worker do man oh man um I, this is weird i would probably talk about it later on but um my first introduction to a social worker happened when i was like eight um had a social worker that would have to talk to me because of just life and um me personally i felt like they were just being extremely nosy asking questions that they didn't need to know about um and as i got older i realized that social workers are there to you know in a way to be able to they're, they're there as counselors to help you go through whatever you're going through and give you the best possible outlook and try to 
try to build something more. Um, they're not trying to pry into your life. It's just that there's certain questions they have to ask in order to help you better because um, I've seen, I like just growing up, I've seen social workers come into homes and take kids out. And I thought that's what they did. Like they just interfere and destroy <laughs> everything that could be going on, but not realizing that in order for that to happen, there had to be a scenario or something going on to where that had to happen. And um, so I always looked at social workers as people that were trying to destroy everything that you had, take you away from family. But then as I got older, I realized like that's part of the job. It's not easy for them at all to go knock on somebody's door with police and CPS workers and be like, we have to take your child because of these reasons. Um, so I had like, when you said you were getting into it, like I was like, that's crazy because I was like, that's a hard job to do. Like you have to remain neutral, but you still care so much that you can't really be who you want to be because you have to do a job. And um, so for me, like when I look at social workers, I just look at them as people that are doing the hard work, whether it's for kids, adults, whatever the situation um, that we try to avoid as people ourselves, like outside of the social work realm. Perfect. I mean, I, I think I, I couldn't have said it better because, you know, you know, you know, part of this is, you know, where we're from, you know, we, we kind of uh, all grew up in Brentwood. Uh, but, you know, Brentwood is one of those places, you know, even even, you know, New York in general, New York and whether, you know, that's the macro. So social work in macro, that means the big part, the big picture. Right. So the bigger it is, is macro and then the smaller is micro. So one on one or even like this is a micro setting, but the macro setting of of New York is very, very uh, segregated, so to speak. So it's segregated not only um, ethnic-wise or, or, or color-wise, but it's also economically um, segregated, so to speak. You know, And then you Definitely. look at Long Island, where we're from, Suffolk County, we make that smaller, right? So we're going from macro to micro, right? These are social work terms. So the, the more micro we get, even that still is segregated, right? So you know, we're all from Brentwood, but Suffolk County, right, big... Brentwood, right? But then we're from Regis Park. And what's interesting about Brentwood in general is that even Brentwood has, uh, at our time, so to speak, and, and this is, you know, Twizzy, you know, no offense to you, man, but you're a little younger than us. Yeah, a lot, you know, good. I mean, we, we're still better looking than you, but you know, you're a little <laughs> younger than us, right? Uh, <laughs> okay. But in, in me and Rich's time, even uh, Brentwood, it was different. You know, I, I, I go back and I think about, you know, my friends, and, and, and it's, it's atypical to, uh, most people because they don't really comprehend how all my childhood friends were all black. And I'm like, well, I lived in a place, Regis Park, where we literally, a few, maybe half a mile away was entitled the white section, right, in, on the mm -hmm. north side of Brentwood. And we mm -hmm. lived in Regis Park where it was always black and Spanish kids, but at our time growing up, uh, it was more predominantly black. Now the entire scheme has changed altogether, but, you know, all my childhood best friends, my family members, um, are, are, are black, so to speak. And, um, with that, you know, that, that's really kind of the point of the podcast is, is that we're assessing how, you know, where, where minorities in a low socioeconomic environment in the community, and we still have the ability to persevere and be resilient and get to where we are today. And, um, the, you know, part of what we've got to do today is, uh, really give, uh, uh, the big ups, the, 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 the props, the, the thank you, uh, the, the respect for, to both of you guys, right? The flowers, right? But you know, other podcasts say that to you, so I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to ride their coattails. So we want to give them their trophy. Oh, that's what it is. Twiz. Uh, it. we're giving Got them it. their trophy today. Um, uh -huh. you know, me, you know, joking around about it. Me and Twizzy, you know, over social media, he he had a thought. I had been had this thought, 
And I gave him a call and I was never more excited to start something because I think we have the ability to really provide something for these uh, the younger kids, right? So as social workers, mm -hmm. you know, some of the stuff on a, on a Google term, broker, right? So so as a social worker, I'm a broker, really uh, giving people referrals to whatever it is, to mental health resources, housing. Uh, there's, there's a, a, a plethora, so to speak, of things where I've gained referrals to uh, and given resources out. Advocate, I love that term. Case manager, educator, um, facilitator, like I'm doing now, you know, facilitating groups or 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 um, classes, so to speak. Organizer, manager, right? But the really yep. the things you know for this podcast as a social worker, my role right here is to be a facilitator, an advocate, and an educator. And and I think when you enter social work, or you know, Rich and and I don't want to give too much, but Rich is a teacher now. But when you enter these kind of helping fields or education fields, you have kind of a soft spot for a specific um, population. And my specific population, why I really entered uh, social work was to help kids just like me who come from low socioeconomic backgrounds, um, who really didn't have the ability or, or trust in someone to kind of help them persevere and be resilient through life. Do you guys think that you have a kind of a, uh, a, a special population in your heart or a specific group that you really... Uh, want to help out yeah yeah definitely i i even like me personally I'm, I'm on pretty much on the same page as you just even in in you know my career and what i do now but even in things that i've done like you know working with um with children i've always been a big a big big believer in helping children that don't necessarily have a fair shake um <clears throat> at life in general you know i i was one of those kids it you know personally in, in my opinion, and even through experience, you know, um, who didn't necessarily have a fair shake just because of circumstances. So whenever I see someone downtrodden, especially, especially children specifically, um, I always want to help any way I can to motivate them, lift them, show them different, you know, a different outlook, whatever I can do. So it's definitely, definitely children, like period, period, any, any, ch any child, because I, I hate, I just hate the look of despair on a child's face. I can't even, I can't stomach it, you know? I'm with the same thing, like um, going into education, like it, it changes everything that you want to think about, like education is um, like my whole goal into going into education was to show honestly, like those black young boys, like there's more than just being a rapper and being uh, a sports athlete. Like there's so much more to this world. And um, and I know some people like us oh, being a teacher, like that's that's nothing. But um in reality, we have teachers in front of us forever. And I, in my entire academic life, I've never had a black male teacher ever. Um, yeah. And then to be a, into a, a STEM career with math, teaching math is another one where uh, it's it's heartbreaking now to say it, but too often you hear somebody say, oh, I can't do math. And I'm like, math is everywhere around you. Like when you shut down on math, like you're, you're closing the world to yourself so quick now. Um, technology is moving forward and you say you can't do math today 10 years from now um you could have been a computer programmer but since you told yourself you can't do math you're not receptive to it so you're not you're, you're closing yourself out of a world that uh, elevates you so much further or even have an understanding of what it is so just going back to what you said joe just my whole thing was going into it and going to a, a group of kids that never saw something that i didn't see now they may be more nowadays but i think honestly i think when we looked at last research that it might be it might be like one percent of all teachers are black males, and it's an even less percentage when you start talking about STEM. Um, 
And as we know, STEM is pushing a lot of it. You know, we, we love now, our now, Rich, not to cut you off, but for, for, the, for the people out there who are watching and don't know what STEM is, what's STEM? Uh, STEM, when we, that's when we start speaking about science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Um, the things that we say are only for the smart people. Uh, you know, like, this is what's pushing us. This is how we're able, this is how we're able to have this platform right now. You know, there was STEM technology that was brought into Zoom for us to be able to video teleconference in real time. You know, the things that we saw on Back to the Future 2 are reality now. You know, yeah. um, never really thought that we would actually live in a world where we actually can have a face-to-face, -face well, a face-to-video conversation and it be in real time. We thought this was only in the movies. Here we are reality. There are people that we thought that we told that they were just so smart that they could do this. And we told ourselves we couldn't because we weren't prepared for it or we didn't know. And now we're able to use the technology. And I don't think, I think it's just about pushing kids into a world of what you are able to do as opposed to them telling themselves that they can't because somebody else is telling them it's too hard, you know, um, building them up. So that way, like the obstacles you have in front of you are the ones that you have to get over to get to where you want. That wall is, doesn't mean that you can't climb over, go around or knock it down. It just means you have to work a little harder than the person that doesn't have a wall, that doesn't have a, 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 a ball and chain holding them back, anything like that. And it's just to let them understand that you can do these things. Um, and with all of it, I still, like I don't tell kids the full story because some things aren't, some kids don't need to know these things. But when you show that you're genuine, you understand what they could possibly be going through. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, I can't say um, that I know what a 12-year-old is going through in 2021. You know, that my 12-year-old age, my time was a whole different world of what, what I was going through. Mm -hmm. But I can understand when there's an issue on the best practices in order, in order to help that 12-year-old push through it. And, um, and a lot of it is just coming from hearing somebody actually have that, that they care enough that I want you to succeed, that I'm not gonna allow you to just sit back and be like, well, nobody else ever does it, so why do I need to do it? Because you can be the first one, that's why. You change the narrative when you become the first. You don't have to keep, you don't have to keep that book going. You, you write a new book, not chapter anymore. Sometimes we gotta get out of that book and go to a new book in order to get to understand of what we wanna do. You know, I think it's, it's it's real important, you know, and I'm gonna pull from kind of what you said, you know, as, as, as kind of the, the, the the un, un, unnamed facilitator, but some of the stuff you pointed out is exactly, you know, what we're talking about is that a lot of kids, especially where we're from, uh, don't have that role model specifically. Um, you know, you know, you know, you spoke about, you know, your, your, your contacts with a social worker and then, you know, myself and my, my, my twin sister, you know, we, uh, my earliest and without even knowing it, but my earliest meeting with a social worker was when, uh, we were in school and, and we, we have, you know, we had socialization issues. We, believe it or not, I was, me and my sister, we were shy. We didn't talk to anybody. We had a lot of separation anxiety uh, leaving my mother. Uh, you know, I mean, you guys know, but the audience, our, our fans don't know, but, you know, my, my dad had a significant um, alcohol problem, you know, you know, and, and um, again, just like Rich, having that fallacy, that misconception that, social workers are, are, are pulling you away from home. You know, I see it today where in my role, I have to kind of contact CPS and, and parents will literally uh, doctor their children's statements and make them, you can't tell them anything, you can't do this, <laughs> but you don't really have the ability to understand that, you know, a social worker's role is really to help. So my, my earliest, earliest, and, and Rich kind of triggered that uh, thought, you know, 
was I think I think as as early as Head Start. I think me and my sister. I remember you know crying, uh, missing my mom getting on the bus and just wanted to be with her, um, which kind of really leads in um, to to what we're talking about today. Um, but you know some of the stuff uh, you know that I forgot to kind of mention is that, you know, what Rich is saying too, is that we want to give the ability, like, you know, he said it, you know, it's not, you don't have to be a famous rapper guys. You don't have to be a drug dealer. Like the people we saw, you don't have to be uh, someone who robs and steals. You don't have to be, you know, especially nowadays, you know, these kids, even my son, who's nine years old, his mm -hmm. mentality is let's go make a YouTube channel and we'll be rich. You know, yeah. I spoke, I spoke to a, a, a coworker yesterday uh, shouts out to shout out to Brian, but um, he was telling me how his sister, you know, is, is in and out of college, dropping out, doesn't want to do, but what she wants to be is a, a social influencer, and and that complete thought process uh -huh. is so so atypical to my mind frame because you know my father, for as many things he did not do, um, he went to work, and 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 that's what I got. He went to work, you know, he went to work. He went to you can ask Rich, man, those days. He would, he would work, he'd pop in for like five minutes or take like a 10 minute nap and go to the night job. And then he'd do it again and, and seven days a week. And, and although, you know, he had his issues, um, many, many issues that, that negatively affected us, at least, you know, me and my twin sister, especially my sister. And if you know my sister, uh, you know, hopefully she'll be on this podcast later. Uh, but kind of gave us that ability to kind of, you got to go to work. So there's, there's no if, ends, or buts. Yep. I know me and my sister worked at McDonald's as soon as we could, and we've never not worked since that day. And, you know, we're, we're 39 years old now. Um, Rich, I also, you know, I think something you touched on is, you know, you talk about that lack of guidance, that lack of peer model um, in schools. Did you, either one, you or, or Twizzy, have that that person? You know, I, off the top of my head, I got two, but did, did you guys have somebody that was a good role model or, or somebody that touched you or kind of changed your life when you were in school? Hmm. Go ahead, Rich. I'll let you no, go first, Rich. Like I'm not gonna lie to you, no. Like dead serious. Like I can't think of a time where there was I, I, I can't think of a time where I actually looked up and was like, man, that, that person right there is like I wanna be like them or try like they like there's like I can think of people that like I picked pieces from that helped me uh get an outlook on certain things on what I wanted to do or just looked up to them because like hey you're you're not doing what everybody else is doing. Like, hey, you have a job, you're working like you're not on the street, you know. You know what I'm saying, like. Um, but to say that, like, I had a role model, honestly, I, no, I don't think I've ever. I, I don't think I've ever had a role model, to be honest, like ever in my life, or even in this case, as we change the terms now from role model. But I don't. I've definitely never had a mentor coming up either. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe in adulthood, being able to talk to some people older, um, being in the military, like you know, speaking to them, getting a perspective from military life, but. As far as this regular life growing up as a kid, as an adolescent, no, there was never anybody like that. How about you two? Is anybody in school that really was your, and I love the word Rich used too, you know, I think that's really when we talk about, you know, the name of our pod, podcast, Collective uh, collective Thought, but that, that collective thinking, you know, I, you know, mentors, it's, it's kind of redefining uh, what we perceive as role models or people we looked up to, but how about, and, and school specifically though, uh, Tweezy, um, uh, see, and that's that. See that that was the kicker right there. I was gonna say in in like actually in school specifically. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. In the time I was in school. See, so I. It's sad to say. I would have to agree with Rich. I didn't really have anybody that um that I could legitimately say like that um I looked up to in school like the administrator. And listen, I've dealt with 
teachers. I've dealt with aides. I've dealt with uh, the security guards. I've dealt with administrators on every level because I've been kicked out and all types of stuff. But never once did I go, I like what they're doing. I want to be like them. I like how they're handling this. I, I, I would like to have the same mannerisms or I never – that never – struck with me because um be, obviously you know you, you've already, we've already spoke about where we're from just being where we're from and um the student body and and and, and being a, a young black kid in, in a school where you know it's not necessarily the best school you know it's, it was rough it was real rough and i know i know it's even rougher in you guys time than it was in my time you know what i mean because in my time people not for nothing either started getting soft or or whatever other things started happening and and and, and the the uh the vision changed like the the how do you say people's goals and, and, and morals and things started to change. This is where it started to shift a little bit. So, um, but no, um, just to stay on the, on the question. No, I never really had anybody that I saw in school that I wanted to be like, and, and honestly, the most of the, more of the, most of the people that I was around in school, I wanted to get away from, which is why I cut <laughs> a lot, a lot, because I was like, these guys, to me, there's nothing that I can take from them that's going to benefit me and help me be a better person at that point in time. Like if you, if, if, if at this point, maybe I knew some of them, I would have different questions because I'm, I'm, I'm a grown man now. I got a family and things like that. You know, my, my life has changed. Um, maybe now, but back then, no, I, I just was, I was, I was winging it every day, literally. Now, now in school, that then did you guys kind of feel that no, not, not even anyone like having your back, like you knew, like you, or that you could trust? Did you guys have either one of those things? That's that's another thing. I never, I never, like I always, I don't, like you know, Joe. Like I only spoke to so many people. Like it was never a, a large group. And I know there's people I knew in school that would talk to other teachers and stuff like that. But it was never like I never knew. Like I never put myself in a situation where I felt that I needed to go talk to somebody. Like it just never part. It was just not part of my the, the way I was built to be. Like I didn't care. Like. For me personally, I was like, I got to go to school. Let me go do what I got to do and leave. Like, I don't need to talk to any of these teachers for anything. There's nothing that they can do for me. Counselors, I don't know what you were doing, but exactly. I don't need to talk to you either. Like, <laughs> it wasn't against anybody. It's just I never I never sought out for any of it, and no one ever approached me for anything because, once again, if it's, you know, we're growing up in a time where if there was no problem brought to you, no one asked questions. Like, nowadays, you know, in the world's now, we're told, hey, if you notice something, you know, bring it up. Mm -hmm. But back then, I don't think people in those positions where they weren't told these things like they may see issues they may they just weren't focused like that but back to the question seeking out speaking to anybody and like no nah, not at yeah. all in school how about you uh, Antoine um I'm, I, I can't say necessarily like uh like seeking out and speaking to anybody I did have a, a um a secretary who I will leave nameless because she's helped me <laughs> I mean this is over 10 years ago now but um she was in she school yeah, yeah, she, yeah, she was. She worked for the district, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, um, but there was a secretary that 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 had my best interest at heart, or, or rather, not not just me, not just me. She had a lot of the minority students' best interests at heart. So if there was a sticky situation um, that she saw, not that someone brought her to, that she saw, she would do her best to kind of help navigate you out of it you feel what i'm saying like she wouldn't she wouldn't just step in and be like you know like overstep or anything like that but if she saw you in a sticky situation she's like hey listen you know if you do this and do that then it might help you get to here as a you know so it wasn't like she's was trying to force you to do anything or or, or even if there was this uh an instance where you were late to class or something like that and you you know you me being one of the kids that 
they would give a harder time to if I was late to class as opposed to anyone else because of obviously the stick my, my stigma um, that I bought on myself. I can't even, you know, I, I got to take credit for that. Um, she blessed me with a pass and sent me on my way to class. So I might have been 10, 15 minutes late, but at least I was able to get into class, which was better than anything else I could have possibly been doing. So I, I will give props to her and give her her trophy for that, you know? Cool. You know, you know, one of the things, um, and, you know, we're, we're bouncing around, but, um, you know, part of the, the reason I did this podcast was, um, you know, one is to, uh, you know, I had a conversation with my niece, uh, my beautiful niece, Sammy, um, and she has the the heart uh, to stick up for many populations. You know, we talk about our populations and, um, um, you know, she, she wants to be an advocate of people who have trauma. She wants to be an advocate of people, uh, you know, the LGBTQ community. Um, and I told, you know, you know, social work. If you go to school, so, so kind of the the empowerment for her, go be a social worker, go get your degree and go be that person that makes that change. I think a lot of the times, all three of us, you know, we, we, when we're talking about our, our, our past, our school experience, we didn't even have that feeling that we could do anything else or we mm -hmm. could change anything. Um, you know, another another rationale and, and, you know, even though I'm bouncing around, it's going to kind of uh, fluidly go into the next section. Um but you guys know, you know, and Antoine too, uh, Rich doesn't have this uh, blessing yet. But, you know, one of the conversations I have with, with Antoine Twizzy is that he's an, a phenomenal provider for his family and he's an amazing dad. Um, Thank you. And, you know, and not, not, you know, I don't want to go too much in it, uh, yeah, but yeah. anyone who knows me, uh, you know, my, uh, my little guy here, you know, he's uh, absolutely everything for me. Um, but he loves, he absolutely loves when I'm on the phone with, with Uncle Rich or with Uncle Twizzy and, um he doesn't have what I had as a kid, as a kid, we family, you know, there was always older people around and, and, and I think we absorbed that, that social learning, you know, here comes another social work term, but that social learning, um, the ability, you know, I was joking with rich and some of our other friends do not even have the ability to understand conversation where there's a give and take. There's a, there's an automatic pause, mm -hmm. just like we're doing right now. Um, so part of this is to kind of show my son and give him some stories. He loves some of the funny stories of the, the uh what's the word the uh the um shenanigans there goes the safe word yeah. the shenanigans <laughs> yeah. that i got into with rich and also i mean and even you to as you know he he loves hearing those stories and this gives him the ability to kind of see dad through a different light not only as uh, as a person who's friends with and family but as a social worker as, as a facilitator and it gives him that ability um and, and just to touch on family so so the, the forum that we have here guys at, at collective uh thought hashtag co-think by the way, um, uh -huh. is not only are we giving ourselves an opportunity to talk about some of these things, we're giving ourselves opportunity to heal. You know, I, you know, I said the biggest thing too is being an educator, give you some some terms that you may have not have that help you navigate now through your issues. Um, but also, you know, part of uh, collective thought is um, really giving people their trophy, man. And I'm loving that, Antoine. I'm loving that trophy that scenario right so giving people their trophy not only for being successful being resilient and coming out of places where we're not supposed to but it's also giving you guys the opportunity uh to be praised for your parenting as well and and the guests we have will eventually embody uh one one of those two things hold on one second guys speak of the devil right little joey's calling man yeah look at that <laughs> joey what up yep. bud we're doing the podcast today man say hi to everybody Hey, hey. See, up, Joey? see Uncle Twiz and Rich? Uncle Rich? You see Uncle Twiz and Uncle Rich? How are you? What you doing? 
How are you? What are you doing? Uh, he's, he's hot. <laughs> All right. I'm going to finish up this podcast. I'll call you when I'm done, okay? I love you very much. Okay. Say, you. say bye to everybody. Bye. Bye, Joey. All right. So look at that, man. Some things are meant to be that way. But um, mm-hmm. so so one of the other things that's going to happen at here at um Collective Thought is that in order to be on the podcast, you'll need to be interviewed. Um, because I I really think I think my my the group of people that I still align myself with or or congregate with, so to speak, mm-hmm. really have um a sense of uh, aura about them, aura about them that you can see that they have great personalities and you could tell that there's a lot of uh, layers, you know, like, uh, like Shrek said, you know, you got to cut the layers, right. To get where you are. But, um, you know, and, and today we're going to have, you know, you know, rich, you know, his story, which is for me, you know, someone who's been close to him. He, he, I, you know, I was talking to Antoine on a separate conversation yesterday, but rich um, really has a story that really, embodies perseverance and resiliency um but one of the things that i wanted to connect today again is that social work piece is uh, aces so people who don't know what aces are uh they're adverse childhood experiences and um basically you know and i'll read you the definition and and when we edit you know it'll be below but so adverse childhood experiences are potentially traumatic events that occur in a childhood. ACEs can include violence, abuse, growing up in a family with mental health or substance problems. Uh, toxic stress from ACEs can change brain development and affect how the body responds to stress. Uh, ACEs are linked to chronic health problems, mental illness, and substance misuse in adulthood. However, ACEs can be prevented. And really, if you look at that definition, um, collective thought, we really embody both where uh, we're, we're assessing our childhood traumas and trying to prevent that for the future. And I think, um, you know, Rich Rich kind of coined the phrase, alter, you know, the narrative or alter your narrative, so to speak, whatever we agree on. Um, but that's why I think, you know, when I see Antoine and Twizy out there being a dad, or even myself, because uh, I believe I'm a damn good dad. Um, we're changing that. Well, my son, my son, never has to experience what Rich experienced, or Antoine experienced, or I experienced. Um, there's not a, a a day that goes by where I don't tell him I love him and I'm proud of him and he can do it. Um, my dad didn't do that. Um, you know, he had the, the the substance abuse issue, but he also came from a long line of um, dysfunctional male roles, role models uh, who uh, yelled, cursed, screamed, hit. Um, so when we talk about these aces and we're going to go into them, you know, I, I, uh, if you look at all three of us or anyone who's going to be on this show, we're not supposed to be where we are. We really are. Uh, we're, we're put in a place in a time where we're not supposed to succeed and not have the ability to succeed and be respectful uh, members of society, so to speak. Um, so I challenged I challenged Antoine and Rich um, to take the ACEs questionnaire, you know, and the ACEs questionnaire, like I said, if you take a questionnaire, it's, it's only 10 questions, but the higher you get, in theory, what it means is that the more predisposed you are to negative things like mental health issues, substance abuse disorders, even health issues. And I think that's a big thing where we have to understand the connection that uh, when you have mental health issues, it comes out physically. And when you have physical issues, it then goes into your uh, mental health. Um so I challenged these two guys. Uh, Rich already did it. Twizzy didn't. I'm not saying that that's the common way he does things, but I think it's perfect uh, for the show because I can then <laughs> read the questions to you. Um, and really to prove um, 
what I'm trying to kind of antiquate and integrate here. Um, so the first question, and um, what we just need is a number. I don't, I don't need to know specifically, guys, um, what you marked yes to or no. Uh, I'm going to actually grab a pen and, and, and take it for you guys, too. Uh, so the first question is, did a parent or other childhood uh, in the household often or very often swear at you, insult you, put you down, or humiliate you, or act in a way that made your, uh, you afraid that you might be physically hurt? So, you know, the ace is the way the questionnaire goes. Simple yes or no, right? Uh, number two, did a parent or other adult in the household often or very often push, grab, slap, or throw something at you? Or ever hit you so hard that you had marks or were injured, right? So it's tough. Again, yes, simple yes or no, right? So Rich already did it. He has his number. Antoine's doing it now. And I think it's excellent, actually, because it works out for the benefit of the, the viewers. Number three, did an adult or person at least five years older than you ever touch or follow you or have you touch their body in a sexual way or attempt or actually have oral, anal, or vaginal intercourse with you? Number four, do you often or very often feel that no one in your family loved you or thought you were important or special or your family didn't look out for you, each other, feel close to each other or support each other. Number five, did you often or very often feel that you didn't have enough to eat, had to wear dirty clothes and had no one to protect you or your parents were too drunk or high to take care of you or take you to the doctor if you needed it? Number six. Were your parents ever separated or divorced? Number seven, was your mother or stepmother often or very often pushed, grabbed, slapped, or had something thrown at her? Or sometimes often or very often kicked, bitten, hit with a fist, or hit with something hard, or ever repeatedly hit over at least a few minutes or threatened with a gun or knife? Number eight. Did you live with anyone who was a problem drinker or alcoholic or who used street drugs? Number nine, was a household member depressed or mentally ill or did a household member commit or attempt suicide? And number 10, did a household member go to prison? So the way this is set up, guys, again, right, when we're looking at the ACEs, what it does is, uh, again, the higher you are, then the more inadequate, so to speak, you're able to function in life, right? So, and again, you know, there's a lot of personal stuff there, guys, uh, for the audience and for Antoine and uh, Rich. But um, what would you score, Rich? Uh, eight. Twizzy? I was, I was an eight, too. Yeah, mine was nine. Um, so I want you to think about that for a second, right? So three guys from the same area, literally within, what are we, 13 blocks of Regis Parks, a 13-block radius. Rich lived on the block over to me. Um Twizzy lived, let's see, what's that, five or six blocks away? Yes, yeah, like uh, Different times, uh, but we have all these childhood traumas, right? So if we're focusing on the ACEs, one of the kind of uh, 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 spurious factors, which really means, comes about from, um, that I, the podcast is, is really trying to establish what factors were in place for us that we utilize to kind of progress or 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 function in life, even function. Um, and I really think that's that's really the important part is that you know there's a lot of people out there just like us with all these uh, 
adverse childhood experiences. You know, we could call it trauma. Uh, really, the term is complex trauma and another social work term, complex trauma. Um, and I'll put a definition here later on when we edit. But complex trauma is continuous long term trauma. Um, and that's different from PTSD, right? Um, because PTSD usually, usually results to one event. And then you have um, physical, emotional um, factors after that. But con uh, complex trauma is kind of the stuff we're talking about here. Um, it's continuous long-term, right? So you, you're, for, for a certain amount of time, you're experiencing this trauma, right? So think about it, and, and I'll be personal with myself, but think about um, my alcoholic dad, right? So complex trauma is that. Him being alcoholic, him always coming home drunk, him hitting, him cursing, him screaming, him not coming home, him uh, losing money for the rent. Um, and that really is what the negative effect is. So think about the kid who constantly, constantly feels that um, all three of us um, now have a, a, a uh, what's the word I'm looking for, a um, inappropriate way to cope now because now we're used to that. So for years and years, yeah. this is happening, guys, all of us. So whatever it is, whether it be your parent was at home, you were hit, you know, and again, I don't want to go, you know, specifically into your aces, but all those aces in there will create either trauma or complex trauma. Um, and really, again, and that's what it is, guys. Uh, so that's what collective thought is about. Um, you know, we are lucky, we are lucky today, you know, uh, we're going to hear Rich's story, which, uh, you know, my, my boy Antoine Twizzy, uh, elegantly named it Rich's Revenge. And I think there's no better title right now than that, because, you know, like I said, man, Rich, Rich is not supposed to be where he's at. Um, and we go, when we go into part B of this podcast, um, we're going to be talking specifically about, you know, the things that happened in Rich's life. What do you got, Twiz? Oh, um, and I just wanted to say I want to add that little silver silver line before we uh before we cross over is just for a lot of the people that are that are listening and watching us rather, uh, or both, <laughs> um don't be uh how do I say this? Don't be um uh, what's the word? Intimidated by like the phrases that are being used, because uh, I'm not for being very honest, because I'm I'm transparent. I'm transparent with with a lot of things that I can be transparent about, and this is definitely one of them. I don't know a lot of these terms. I, you know, I'm learning some of these terms for the first time. Like I know Rich might have a little bit more of of a background with them, and and obviously Joe, we know you do, or Professor S, excuse me. Um, but as for myself, I don't. A lot of these terms, I don't. I don't necessarily know. Or I'm not familiar with. I may have heard one or two, but definitely not know the definition. I think so. For anybody that's listening and watching with us and just vibing with us, just understand. Like, don't be intimidated. This is, as Professor S said, it's an educational experience it's for all of us to learn and and learn from each other every day and learn from each other's experiences and, and grow from it. It's better to have the knowledge and, and not use it until you need it than to not have it at all. You know? Absolutely. So. I think I've been, I mean, I, I, and that's really part of what I wanted to do too. I mean, a lot of times you think about, um, you know, I talk about my son and, and he has for a nine year old an extensive vocabulary. Um, but when you have the ability to understand different phrasing and different terminology to explain your experiences or your your negative attributes whatever it may be that's another step that that we as minorities in a low socioeconomic region um need to do and make better and that's part of what i need to do i want to teach you guys the ability to kind of teach yourselves um how to become more emotionally intelligent but i think that's perfect Antoine, and i appreciate that man rich you got anything else before we move to part b Nah, we're good. Let's, let's go ahead and get it. Let's get it. All going. right, man. So, collective thought, part.